What is this? And will it continue? Spoilers only time will tell. At first sight, it appears we've descended into the depths of holy hell. Let's do it. Married at First Sight reaction show here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast feed. Max Quinn is me. Xavier RN is not here. Hello from the unceded lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. That's where I'm recording. This always was. This always will be Aboriginal land. Shout out to you if you're a First Nations listener of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Thanks for being here on this episode. Five things we learned from tonight's dinner party. Plus... Why does everyone on the internet, at least this is what it feels like to me, why are they all Team Josh? I have thoughts. We'll start with something that we learned about Shannon and Caitlin. We'll finish with Bronte and Harrison. To get there, we need to catch up on a couple of things. So, since we last spoke, look, a lot has happened. The main thing is that Shannon has emerged as a brand new series villain Basically, he said that his maths bride, Caitlin, you remember her? She's got the blonde hair, the blonde woman on reality TV. Can you believe it? Anyway, she's not hot enough, according to Shannon. And he said that if she was hotter, he would have severed ties with his ex and his baby mama then and there. And he's also come out and said that he might still be in love with her. I just want to flag with you off the top. This is not how love works, in my opinion. Uh, Like, you can have love for someone. You can be in love with someone. You can be not in love with someone. You can be in various states of falling in and out of love with all people at all times, quite frankly, but might still be is not a state of love that you can be in. Am I wrong about this? Like, I just think internally, if you're honest with yourself, you know whether or not you are in love and to which degree. My opinion, he's using that word might to couch his truth. And his truth is that he's still in love with his ex. And what he's doing is he's being like, yeah, I might still be in love with my ex to soften the blow in front of the experts. So there's this thing that happens. They sit them all down and they do a big check-in with the experts. I forget the name of the fucking thing. Anyway, he's in front of the experts and he's like, yeah, look, it turns out I might still be in love. And that is critical, okay? This is a man who has no problem saying things that are brutal and destructive to his maths wife, but we've put him in front of the experts and suddenly he's aware that he's on TV, he's trying to save face, and I think he's trying to stay in the experiment because the spotlight is on him. And I think that that's the first thing that we learned at the dinner party this week. It's that Caitlin should run away and never return. Why she has stayed in this experiment, beyond my comprehension. Some of the drama tonight centred around Shannon being spotted in public with a mystery woman and a child by two other women from MAFS called Lyndall and Claire, both of whom I enjoyed tonight. We'll Actually, we'll talk about both of them in a minute. And Shannon then sort of like recognises that he's been seen by Lyndall and by Claire, and he turns to them and he makes the shush gesture as if to say like, keep this a secret. 
And so this comes out at the dinner party and Shannon denies, denies, denies. He says that the girls that he was spotted with were his cousins, is my cousin and my second cousin. Um, after being so fucking rude, after Claire sort of asked him about this, he's like, do you, who do you think it was that you saw me with? Like, he's just so smug. I don't, I don't like Shannon. Anyway, he denies. And then in confessional, he says things like, the boys are calling me Teflon because nothing sticks to me. Now, just my opinion. I don't think it was his cousin, but at least up until now, nobody can disprove it. Still, the thing here is that Caitlin should run. Based on the way the show has presented him, Shannon is mean, Shannon is churlish, and Shannon has degraded his wife on television repeatedly. Babe, don't walk, run. Thing we learned, number two, Cameron has clearly never been in a relationship before. Okay, so Cameron, Lindell, you remember them. Cameron has the mustache. Linda, Lindell uh, has cystic fibrosis. Uh, they got together. They were our first couple to get married. It was all very cute. She was very giggly, but they've had their first fight before the dinner party. And it's about Lindell feeling compelled to tell Caitlin that she saw Shannon with the woman who she presumes to be his ex and his child. So she wants to say something, and the crux of it is that Cameron doesn't want her to. They have a Barney about it. Cameron doesn't want to be at the center of any drama, but he's misreading the situation, IMO. This is, firstly, this is not going to bounce back on you, bro. And by expressing your desire to cover up for Shannon, whether it is for reasons of not being involved in drama or not, like you are becoming complicit in his bad behavior. And that reflects poorly on you to your maths wife. And all of a sudden, obviously, there's drama at home, right? With peace and love, Cameron, you got to look out for number one. And whether you think that number one is your wife or whether you think that number one is you, you are not doing it here. The lesson isn't some <laughs> bumper sticker like happy wife, happy life, gone fishing. The lesson is pick your battles. Don't have what feels like an eight out of 10 argument over a th three out of 10 problem. You know, I think that there is certainly grounds for Cameron to stand his ground um, and to be assertive. Goodness knows it's something that I could stand to do more of in my own life. But what's also critical is knowing when to do those things and when to simply say, not my problem. I'm checking out. In my opinion, these were the actions of a man who was inexperienced and who's clearly never been in a relationship before. All right, thing we learned, number three, Mel and Josh are both wrong. We didn't see much of Mel and Josh at this dinner party, but I want to cover this here because there have been developments on the mosh front since we last chatted. So Josh thinks that he's being used by Mel only as a sex object, funny to me, um, and that she's not emotionally open and Mel thinks that Josh has a problem with intimacy. They're both wrong. What they each have is an inability to communicate with someone who has opposite tendencies to their own, based on their portrayals on the show. Josh is like a cuddly, wuddly, fuddy-duddy who is emotionally needy, 
and Mel is a pub mum with a high libido who is emotionally needy in a totally different way. Public perception seems to be that people want to talk shit on Mel for being a horny woman in her 40s who wants to fuck. And conversely, Josh is being held up as this bastion of purity. I disagree. I think that if that's your reading, I don't know, maybe you're ingrained sexism or you're ingrained expectations about what a woman should do, might be showing. My reading is that these people have both been done dirty by the show. They're not compatible. And neither of them have the skills or the emotional intelligence to be able to talk about it or to work through it without it resulting in something explosive as it has done time and time again. Josh wants things to work out like it's Toy Story. It's not. Mel desperately just wants to have her needs met by a man who is refusing to do that and also refusing to look inward. They should break up. That's what I think. Break them up. They will never talk to each other again. Everyone will be happier. Thing we learn number four. Claire makes the best TV out of the entire cast. Claire is good TV consistently. I don't care if she did hook up with Adam and then lie to Jesse about it. That was a whole thing last week. You don't need to whatever. Anyway, the part I take exception to if we're to look back on the situation of Claire hypothetically hooking up with Adam is that it was Adam of all people who I think is supremely gross, but Claire's good TV. We've established, right? That Jesse is half of a fully grown man at best based on the show. We've established that Claire has tried and tried and continues to try to get on board and to get him on board despite unbelievable odds. So far, I just think this experiment has been a bit of a bust for her romantically. So she can do what she wants as long as she's making great TV. This is the rule that I'm making for Claire because every time she's on screen, she's doing something interesting. Last night, she was lead detective in the Shannon saga. She's also consoling his math's wife, Caitlin, and encouraging her to know her worth. Look, give me more Claire, please, as thing we learned number four, because she is highly entertaining and largely non-toxic. Speaking of which, thing we learned number five, the last thing for this episode is that Harrison's toxicity knows no bounds. Context. Apparently, Some of the boys went out for a beer during the experiment and Harrison got a girl's number. Somehow this has turned into a game of telephone where one of the women that we haven't talked much about on this podcast, Janelle, she's the makeup influencer who's married to Adam. She's gotten it confused and she's under the impression that 42-year-old Dan, who we also haven't talked about, was the one to get the girl's number. And now she's not sure whether to tell Dan's math's wife, Sandy, about all of this. Like, is Dan surreptitiously going around behind her back getting girls' numbers? And what does that mean? Now, Harrison gets wind of this and realises that Dan is getting the blame for something that he, in fact, did. And Harrison's like, sweet. Thank you so much for taking the fall for me, Dan, and then sets about manipulating four different groups of people at the one dinner party with different stories, not the least of which 
is his maths wife, Bronte, who I just think has become so indoctrinated, worn down, who can say, by all his missives, that she is ready now to believe whatever Harrison is selling her and she is willing to stand by her man because she doesn't know any different. Harrison's web of lies is complex, it is spun quickly, and it is all in service of making sure that he isn't found out for having done something bad again. Dan, collateral damage. Sandy, collateral damage. Adam, his friend who he's been talking to on the phone, this is how it all came out. Collateral damage. Harrison doesn't care. This is a man who accused his own wife of gaslighting him last week. And by the way, who taught him that word? And he's setting into place a series of emotional dominoes to knock over in service of his own narrative. Listener, this is cunning, it is cruel, and it is deceptive. Think what you will about Shannon, who is presented just as an asshole. This is different. You can draw your own conclusions about what kind of a person that that makes Harrison based on those traits, based on the way that the show is presenting him. But it is abundantly clear to me that based on this presentation, this is a bad man. All right. Thank you for the check-in. It's time for me to check out. This has been the Maths Reaction Show here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast feed. You can join all of us in the Bachelor of Hearts Osh Posting group on Facebook if you want to talk more about Batchy, if you want to talk more about maths with me. I got a lot of stuff to say. We got a lot of things to continue to cover. Plenty of good stuff coming up here on this podcast feed. Thank you so much for being around. We'll talk soon. Bye.